The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles today and turn to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. We began last week our uh, series through these two books together and uh, tried my best to get through the whole chapter, but was unable to get all the way through. And so today uh, we'll just pick up in verse number 6 through verse number 10. And uh, what wonderful music today. And uh, you're fortunate today. I'll let you remain seated. I know you all just got nice and comfortable. Uh, Normally I would have you uh, stand for the reading of the Word, but uh, uh, just go ahead and remain comfortable today. And I'll read the Scripture for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, picking up uh, from verse number 6, all right? It says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, But also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He has raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come, And may the Lord add His blessing to the reading of the living Word of God. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Our Father, we thank You for Your Lord's Day today. Thank You for uh, our people that were able to come to the hour of Bible study and uh, study the Word in-depthly and share prayer requests and fellowship together. We thank You for this hour of worship. Lord, that we can sing and give and pray and listen to the Word, and that our hearts would be transformed and that You would receive our worship. And so now, Lord, I pray that You would add Your blessing to Your Word and to the preaching of it, that You would encourage and strengthen Christians, that You would challenge us and convict us. At the same time, we pray for unbelievers here today that they would be convicted by the truth of Jesus Christ and put their trust in Him and in Him alone. And we will love you and thank you for all that you do. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. If you remember last week, I kind of gave you a, a little three-part uh, way of thinking about this chapter. We said uh, we said verse one was really just an introduction dealing with the author and the recipients and the message to the church, and then we said um, that verse number two uh, through verse number five is really a, a Thanksgiving greeting, a reception, and so we said that uh, we should be thankful people, we should be prayerful people, and we should be confident in the Word of God in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I'd given you verse 6 through 10, really uh, this uh, implementation. I tried to use a word that would just go with the others and and give you a one-word synopsis. And so when we think about verse 6 down through verse number 10, really we're thinking about the implementation of the gospel into the life of the church. So the church in between the first coming and the second coming needs to implement all of the teachings of these two 
two books and primarily also the teachings of verse number six down through verse number 10. You see, discipleship is much like an apprenticeship. We understand this uh, from um, uh, things like internships or having understudies. You know, sometimes uh, maybe somebody will have a part in a play and they will have an understudy that is behind them. And so what does an understudy do? They, they walk behind, they imitate, they learn from, they, they mimic, they do everything that the main character is doing. And that way, in case that main character gets sick, like yours truly, or uh, is unable to, uh, unable to perform the understudy, study has imitated the behavior of the main character in such a way that they are able to step into that role and do what is needed at the time. You see, being a follower of Christ or true discipleship, true spiritual growth is being able to do the right thing when you're called upon. That is what spiritual growth is, is when you're faced with a decision or you're faced with a heartache or tribulation or you're faced with some advancement in the kingdom of God that you are able to do what Christ would do if he were in that position. When you're called upon it, you have been following him in such an understudy way, in such an apprentice kind of way that you are able to follow him. And that is that we learn to do something or to become someone that we cannot become by ourselves. That is, that we learn to listen and mimic the actions of someone who is accomplished in what we are trying to do. So let me give you the main idea just in one thought today, and then we'll look at these verses. And I really only have two points today, so we will be out of here no later than three o'clock, all right? Here's the main point today. Model or a good churches, right? Good churches are comprised of apprentices of Jesus who are imitating Christ and sharing the gospel. Let me say that again. Good churches are comprised of disciples or apprentices who are imitating Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel. We can boil down the Christian life into those two categories. and Certainly there are a myriad of other things that you come back every week because there will always be something to preach from God's word. But for believers, we want to boil it down that we are to imitate Christ and then share or proclaim the gospel, the good news that Jesus has died and rose again and that everyone that puts their faith and confidence in him alone can have eternal life. That is, we live for Jesus and we talk about Jesus. The call sign of this church is proclaiming the gospel and reflecting the kingdom. You see, we do both of those. We tell people about Jesus with our mouth and we live out kingdom-centered lives, Christ-centered lives. So let me draw these two thoughts out for you today. Number one is this, imitate godly people and Christ himself in your life. Number one, imitate godly people and Christ himself. I spent a long time and a lot of money at a seminary just to get this point from right here in the text. So look back down at verse number six. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. You see, you can get that right out of the text yourself there. He says here, bringing on the end of verse number five, he says here, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. 
And then he bleeds right into verse number six. And he says, so because you saw what kind of men the gospel produced in us, you saw how faithful we were and how we loved you and how we gave our heart and life to you. And we live for the Lord Jesus. Verse number six, he says, so you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. Let me mark out a few things about this. First of all, we get our word for mimicry from this word imitator here in verse number six. You also became imitators. And this is a dominant theme throughout the rest of the New Testament and especially in the Apostle Paul's writings. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 14, again, the Apostle Paul will encourage the Christians at Thessalonica to imitate them and to imitate by way of them the Lord Jesus. Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Again, the Apostle Paul will say, follow me as I follow Christ. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1. The Apostle Paul will say, follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16. The Apostle Paul will beat the drum again and say, follow me and follow Jesus Christ. Be imitators of me and be imitators of Jesus Christ. Hebrews, um, maybe Paul's the author of Hebrews, maybe Apollos, maybe somebody else. There's a whole cottage industry about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 12. Again, the author will say, imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. The word here for mimicry and for following is much stronger than just simply following. It means to listen and to obey, not only to the words that Jesus says, but to the life that Jesus lives. You see, brothers and sisters, can I just take a moment to teach us, and let's let's gather in here as family for a moment. One of the biggest problems we have as a church, and not only as a church, but individual believers, and really for this sake, I would say the vast majority of evangelical churches, at least in our country, but probably around the world, one of the biggest problems we have is that we know what Jesus has said in the Scripture. We have Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. We have read it. We have memorized it. We know everything about it. We go to conferences and listen to people speak about it, but we don't mimic and imitate Jesus in His life. What Christ wants us to do, what real Christian followers are, are those people who look and listen to the words of Jesus and receive them into their heart and then go out and try and live like Jesus every day and in every way of your own personal life. It's not necessary to read the entire Bible in a month. What is necessary is to wake up tomorrow morning and read some small portion of Scripture, then get on your knees, or if your knees aren't good, sit in a chair with a cup of coffee and say, Lord Jesus Christ, everywhere I go today and everything I do today, let me do it like you would do it. Let me imitate you in the words that I say and what I see and the things that I hear and the way that I treat other people. And Lord, most assuredly, in the crucible moments and those in those people that are hard to get along with help me to live like Jesus would live and if you're not doing that you're not following Christ no matter how much knowledge you have in your head don't get me wrong I'm not against knowledge and learning We ought to be growing in the knowledge, but the problem is that I fear that our knowledge of the Bible far outweighs our obedience to Jesus. 
And the good thing is, is that you wake up every day and you wake up in the grace of Almighty God who loves you and cares for you. And when you fall and when you stumble, He's right there to love you and pick you up. And you're going to fail a thousand times, but God is good. Amen? And He'll love you and He'll never forsake you. But I want to say this. Yes, he picks us up. But if, you're, if you've been saved for 20 years and there's no difference in your Christian life than there was 20 years ago, then I would do some soul searching to see if you're really a believer because faith always produces fruit. Genuine, John Wesley was right. Faith works. The nature of saving faith is that you want to imitate Jesus with your life. So find those areas in your life and imitate the Lord. Notice what he says here. You became imitators of us and the Lord. And I want to say to you, it's not a bad thing in your life to find some brother or some sister who's a little bit farther down the road than you. And yes, learn to follow their life in so much as the Apostle Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Where their sinfulness takes you away from Christ, then you put that to the side. But if you, you need to find brothers and sisters in your life at spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers who have been walking with Jesus and look at their life. You see, part of the blessedness of the church and the reason why you should be a member of a local church, one of the reasons is because you need this. Christianity is not a lone ranger religion. You cannot live for God like you should without the body of Christ. God provides people in this building specifically for your life, for you to learn from. Now my wife and I have two little boys, and I've been preaching the gospel for about 20 years, but I don't know how to raise two little boys. I don't, I'm losing all my hair up here, and that's part of the reason why. God has given, I mean, I may be the pastor of this church, but God has given a body of Christ here for us to be family so that you can come alongside me and my wife and help out. Now, listen, don't come back there and just try and tell me everything to do if, if you're not doing it, all right? But some of my brothers and sisters in here, and you, you have children and grandchildren, and, and you never speak a word into somebody's life to help them. Shame on you. We need you. Some of the men in this room have been walking with Jesus for a while. You ought, to, you, you ought to call this brother right down here and say, you know what? Some of our boys in the, in, in, uh, in the teenagers, some of our young, young boys and young teenagers, they, they need to grow in Christ. And if you ever have a need for somebody to read the Scripture with them or talk with them or uh, be involved and to help, so there ought never to be a shortage of those who want to disciple and help other brothers and sisters. It'd be a shame for you to live all of your Christian life learning pockets of wisdom as you grow and die and never have imparted that to somebody. Follow me as I follow Christ. Years ago, a professor said to me, uh, Mark Lederbach, and more than a professor, he's a friend of mine, and he said to me, he said, Steve, you'll never be the leader nor the Christian that you should be until you have the humility to tell other people, follow me as I'm following Christ. He said, the humility, yes. You should be walking with Jesus in such a way that as you pray and you ask God to put somebody in your life, that there will be somebody that you could look to and say, I'm not perfect, <laughs> I'm far from it, but I'm trying to follow Jesus. 
and I want to help you. You'd be surprised at how many people in this room are thirsting and longing and hungry for somebody to just speak up and say to them in a friendly, humble way, I know you want to learn more about Christ and follow Him. I can help you with that. But the reason why we don't is because it takes time and you get dirty and you have to get involved in people's lives. God has called us as individuals to be imitators of our leaders and imitators of Christ. Let me, let me say just a couple more things and I'll move to the last point. Notice in verse number 6 that the word is not to be, but to become. For the, uh, verse number 6, you also became... You see here, the the word here has this ongoing, persistent, continuous development. It, It is not something that happens overnight, but it involves process and time. And so I want to say to all of my believers that are in this room today, hold on, stay faithful to Jesus. Don't be a flash in the pan. Don't be a morning glory. Don't try and serve Jesus and then at the end of the week when you're not as far down the line as you wish that you were, give up and go back to something else. No, we are learning to become over time, over a lifetime. We are becoming more like Jesus Christ. Become an imitator of Him. You cannot be, listen, I don't know about every other industry, but I'm telling you when it comes to your spiritual life, you cannot be a mature believer overnight. I don't care who you are. God has a way of putting us in the vice. God has a way of teaching us the word, of humbling us, of bringing suffering and pain into our life. And what happens is you stay faithful, you stay on the road, you put your hand to the plow, don't look back, stay faithful to Jesus. And when you're 70 or 80 years old, you'll look back and you'll say, God has done a wonderful work in my life of maturity in Christianity. In fact, the Bible says in the epistles or in the pastoral epistles not to lay the hands on the presbytery too quickly on some young man. Simply, it means this you know, a guy gets saved and shows, uh, demonstrates some capability to preach or to lead, and uh, some people are are too quickly, uh, uh, let's put that guy in the gospel ministry. No, he needs some bumps, he needs some dings, right? He needs some scratches, he needs some trials in his life. So that God might stretch him. And God is doing that with our lives. We are becoming imitators of Christ. Well, notice this. They received the word, the gospel, and they welcomed it. Do you see that in verse number 6? You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word there. means like to receive or to welcome. The initiative is on the giver, but the emphasis in this passage is on the one who welcomes the message. You, you received the word or you welcomed the word. And what is the word? Well, it's the word that goes back to verse number 4 and 5. It is the word of the living God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that came not in word only but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in the full conviction. 
You received the word. And look here at the context of discipleship. You received it in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice here that in verse 5, the Holy Spirit is uh, put side by side with the power of God and salvation. So in verse 5, the gospel comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse number 6, the reception of the gospel comes with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what happens to an unbeliever. They hear the gospel and in the dynamite, the power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit brings new birth and new life and regeneration into our souls. It is his power that causes redemption. And what happens when somebody gets saved? There is a joy unspeakable and full of glory of the Holy Spirit that is placed down in their soul. Now, let me pause for a moment and just draw your attention to this one thing. You'll notice that they receive the message of the gospel. They welcomed it in the context of both tribulation and joy. I I debated this week as to whether I should call names today in the sermon or not. You all know that I'm not that kind of person, but I fear in the religious world that we live here in in the West that at some point I'm going to need to call names for you, but I'm not going today. I'm just going to tell you, be very, very, very careful who you listen to on the radio, who you watch on the television. I'm not saying everybody's bad. I'm just saying listen and be careful. Because those people who are preaching a prosperity gospel, that if you just believe enough, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if you follow Jesus, nothing will ever go wrong in your life. And that's not God's plan and desire. They never read this book. Because these believers in Thessalonica, they received the message of the gospel in the context of understanding there would be joy unspeakable and full of glory by the Holy Spirit. And that joy is the redemption, but they would do so in the middle of a context of tribulation and pain and anguish. And it is God's will at time for believers not to walk upon the rosy path, but to walk down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem and be unified with their son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and died in shame for us. Paul said, I counted a blessing not only to believe in Jesus, but to suffer with him. The context of discipleship is not one that is easy, but it is one that is joy-filled. I say to you today, if you're in this room and you are not a believer, but you are, you are contemplating coming to faith in Christ, I don't want anybody to lie to you. I want you to understand, Christ does not promise you an easy life. Christ promises you eternal life. And the greatest decision you will ever make in your life is to lay down the weapons of your warfare and your pride and come to Jesus alone and say, save me, I'll follow you all the days of my life and be richly rewarded in your heart by faith in Christ, have an eternal home in heaven and a daily walk with him. And he is sufficient. Amen? We sang a song today. Christ is enough for me. They receive the gospel. Notice the joy of the Holy Spirit. Let me uh, me move on today. I'll give you one last point. From verse 8 through 10, share the gospel 
in word and deed. Let me, let me keep reading. Look at verse number 7. So that you became examples. I guess I probably should tell you this. You see in verse number 6 how it says you became imitators. That's in the plural. That means it's speaking to individual believers. And look at verse number 7. You see how it says so that you became an example. Singular. He's saying here that individual believers become imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ by receiving the word. And as our church individually imitates the Lord Jesus Christ, so singularly the church becomes who it should be, an example to all the believers, both in Macedonia and Achaia. That is the God's plan of discipleship for the church. Every individual believer follows and imitates the Lord Jesus Christ. And as our membership individually begins to imitate Jesus, Jesus, so collectively as a whole, our church will be an example to our community. Look at verse number eight. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Notice the repetition. Your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. Let, let me just point out a, a couple of thoughts here in, uh, in verse, number, uh, verse number eight. Notice here it says, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. The word here is where we get our word for echo. It, it, it's like an old transistor board or a, a sound system. The people of God here in Thessalonica, they believed on Jesus and then they begin to speak the word of God in such a way that it was echoing not only in Thessalonica and Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere in that region, they were hearing the word of the living God. And that's the way that it ought to be with the believers here in Emmanuel, that we are imitating Jesus with our life, that we're walking with him. And then when we leave this place, that the world around us hears the echo of the message of the gospel from our mouth and from our life. That we begin to be the kind of people that learn to speak the gospel truth that Jesus saves to our neighbors and our loved ones and our co-workers so that all of the city of Raleigh is hearing from us the resounding sound of the gospel. The word here has gone forth also can speak of that of a trumpet or a judgment call. And in fact, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18, you'll find that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and what? The trump of God. In chapter 1 and in chapter 4, the predominant message is this. Christ is coming again to judge the world in wrath for its sin and we are the only hope that they have. So go sound the, floor, the, the trumpet of the gospel. Look back, if you will, here at verse number 8. It says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Yeah, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. No, look. You see, in the first part of verse number 8 is the word of the Lord that is sounding it forth. And then look at verse, uh, the end of it. It says, Your faith toward God has gone forth. So that we have no need to say anything. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be a blessing if your now don't say I don't want to hear too many amens. But wouldn't it be awesome if your pastor could get up here one day, right? And we were just packed to the gills. People were getting saved. Our community was being transformed. And I just said, look, folks, you guys are serving Jesus and telling everybody about Jesus so much. I don't even have a sermon this week. But that's almost what he's saying. So I really don't even have any reason to say anything to you. Why? The word is going forth. And isn't that interesting? Your faith 
is going forth. Same parallel thought. Now, I just want, I want you to think for a minute. You know, some, sometimes in Christian, I own my own faith. This is my faith. I keep it personal. This is my, I believe in God. believe in Christ. I'm a believer. Let me ask you this. Who around you in your sphere of life knows about your faith in Christ? Well, of course, they know, they know I go to church. They know I'm a believer. They, do they hear about it? When you go to work tomorrow and somebody says, how'd your weekend go? What will you say to them? Had a good Saturday, had a good Sunday. I was really sad Duke won. I was really happy Duke won. <laughs> Somewhere along that conversation, will, you, will, your, will your faith speak out? Will you just simply say something like, you know what? Had a good weekend, watched some of the games. I went to church on Sunday and I was challenged by the songs that Jesus Christ is enough for me. I was challenged by the, the text that said, I'm supposed to imitate Jesus, and that's a huge responsibility, but I'm going to try and do it today. Do you, does your faith sound forth? Do you talk to other people about Jesus? Brothers and sisters, I think the encouragement here you can see from the text today let us imitate Christ and, and let us speak about Him. Let me, let me finish just a couple of verses and look, look back down at the text. Verse number 9. For they themselves... You, you see, he's saying, listen, the Word and the, your faith is going forth. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. Right? Well, we could talk there for a while, but... And he says here... Um, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, I just want to ask the lost people that you come into contact with on a weekly basis, maybe not in that kind of biblical language, but do they hear, do they know about how there's an ongoing in your life turning away from idols and turning to Jesus and to serve him? Now look, maybe you're here today and you're saying, oh me, maybe not so much. I need to work on that. Okay, we all do. But maybe you should let that sit in your soul. So you didn't, you didn't come to church here today to just play church. I'm trying to tell you the message of God for your life so that you can leave here today and live like that. Just find some lost people. And you have people that are lost that live around you or family. And I'm not saying you got to run out there with a bullhorn down here on Hillsborough Avenue. I'm just saying in your walk-a-day world, in your work-a-day world, in the way that you live your life, are you, are you sounding out the truth of Jesus and how he's transforming you and how you're turning away from the idols of this world? You say, I don't have any totem poles in my house. No, but you got a whole bunch of plastic in your pockets. Wow. Not one amen, I feel all alone. Maybe it's a bunch of oh me's. Yeah. What, you don't think you have idols in your life? You think that's for some third world country somewhere? Of course you do. Of course I do. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's an ungodly ambition. 
Sometimes it's an ungodly sense that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Do the lost people around you know or hear a little bit about your struggle, about how you're trying to turn from that and turn to serve the living and true God? Look at the end there. Verse number, uh, verse number 10 is a great little verse. And to wait for his son. The word wait there is in the present tense. It means that you're as an ongoing, continuous waiting. There's a patience here. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. We have just, just a minute, so I'll tell you what. Take your Bible and just turn to the left just a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 17. Let me show you what Paul's thinking about when he says that verse. By the way, while you're turning to Acts 17, you should know that uh, 1 Thessalonians has a lot to say about the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, every single chapter in 1 Thessalonians, the last verse is on the second coming of Christ. Acts chapter number 17 Verse number 31 and 32 is really what Paul is talking about and what what he has in his mind. Notice that he has the resurrection of Christ in mind. He says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues from the wrath to come. He's saying, look, there's a future wrath that's coming. Jesus, the one who has been resurrected, he will come and rescue us from that wrath. Acts chapter number 17, verse 31 and 32, the apostle. Apostle Paul here uh, speaking to the um, uh, Athenians here on Mars Hill. Verse number 31, he says, uh, well, let me back up. Verse number 30. Therefore, having overlooked the time of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day, right? Not several days, a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof for all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of this resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. The Apostle Paul gets to the end of chapter number 1 of 1 Thessalonians and probably the um, second, or la- second to last or the last word of chapter 1 in your Bible has the word wrath. And I just want all of you to understand today, I'm an optimistic preacher. I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe people are going to get saved. I-, I-, I love the gospel is an optimistic gospel. Amen and amen. But I also want you to understand that we serve a real and a holy God and one day His Son will return to the the world. One day Christ will return and he will destroy all that is evil and he will establish all that is righteous through the power of his resurrected divinity. Jesus is coming again. And one of the motivations for which we live for him is because he is coming again. And one of the motivations in which we share the gospel is because there is a wrath to come. And of all people, we ought to leave here today saying, we don't want any of our friends and our neighbors and our city and our country and the world, we don't want any of them to face the just wrath of God. So I'll leave here today and I'll live for Jesus with everything that I have and I'll tell everybody that I can about Christ. Simple, simple sermon today. How do I become an apprentice of Jesus? Imitate Him in word and deed 
and tell people about His powerful saving grace on the cross. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a minute we will uh, sing a hymn of invitation together. And brothers and sisters, right where you are right now, if you're in, if you're in here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, I want to encourage you, right where you are, turn from your sin, believe upon Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you and He will. Maybe you're in this room today as a believer and you say, you know what? That's a simple message. I think I can go do that. You'll need the help of the Spirit, of course, and the Word of God, and there's help for all of us who fail. But why don't you leave here today as a believer saying, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can this week to imitate Jesus and to tell somebody about Him. You do that and you'll be a true follower of Christ. Just stand with us together and let's sing this song. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.